0: Just nine miles east of central London, Barkin and Dagenham Giving are trying something that has never been done before. Their Grow Fund, England's first community-led investment fund, is backing community enterprises that will make a commercial and social impact in the borough of Barking and Dagenham. So, what makes this fund so special? Well, it was the local residents who decided how the fund was managed and invested. So join me as I speak to the business owners, the decision makers and the charity at the helm about what happened next. I'm Elvi Matty. Welcome to Nine Miles East, a podcast about a financial first. first. We've heard so much about the growth fund so far in this series, from Cameron at BD Giving, from Wunmi, the community steering group member and the businesses who received the support. But how did the Grow Fund come to be? In this episode, we talk about the conditions and resources that were in place and what this way of working could mean for the democratisation of money. Kate Harmatz, Head of Fundraising at BD Giving, Amir Rizwan, a social investment expert, and Julian Corner, CEO of Lankani Chase Foundation, who has a long standing relationship with Barkin and Dagenham came together for a conversation on why the Grow Fund is like a petri dish culturing the future of funding. As a social investment expert, Amir has been an invaluable teacher to the BD Giving team. He sits on several charity boards and hosts conversations that aim to push social investment forward. He became a friend to BD Giving when they asked him to support their community steering group in developing the UK's first community-led social investment fund. He has offered advice and supported their community members throughout their journey. Emir explains his first experience with BD Giving.
1: I first actually got involved with BD Giving when I was invited to one of their sessions with their community panel where I came in as the social investment expert to really help them understand what social investment is how it works, all the various things. And that was an extremely nerve-wracking moment for me because there was all these new faces here from different parts of the community. My worry is I'm just going to sound like some alien who's talking a completely different language and how do I make this relatable? And it was just amazing to have that opportunity to actually kind of really talk about this work, but to really understand actually the way I position it and the way I've always talked about it is actually, is that the right way? Is it too complex? Is it too jargon-heavy? And ultimately, I think what it led to is I probably learned more than they learned from me, not just from that moment, but from an ongoing kind of journey that I was with them because I saw them on different occasions. And it was just amazing to see how they picked up on all the various things, the questions they were asking, the way they were cutting right through the unnecessary jargon and complexity to drill down to the most important bits, and just taking ownership of the whole idea of actually making investment decisions, and the confidence they gave them as well. So uh, it's been a really great journey seeing the community steering group, and I'm just really impressed with the journey they've been on as well, and almost kind of awestruck as well.
0: It was clear to experts like Amir and large funders like Lancashire Chase Foundation that something totally different was emerging here. But this couldn't have happened without examining the big questions with the community first, like who holds the money, who makes decisions, and who benefits. The time and space to do this with a community had to be funded and supported by people who are truly interested in the outcomes. Here, Kate, Julian, and Amir discuss power and the conditions that can build alternative
2: funding systems. First, I want to talk about power in the funding system. So how do you disperse power responsibly?
3: The core challenge is that all of us have a lot to learn and unlearn in that process, a lot to give up, and a lot of mindset shift that's required. So in terms of the unlearning, there is this thing of entitlement, who gets to make decisions, who gets to be in a position of stewardship, of expertise, who gets to be the person who understands money, who understands what good due diligence looks like, And they are typically people who have got into those positions because they understand the rules of the game and they're good at enacting them. So a lot of us who are in positions of power in relation to money are there because we're good at the rules of business as usual and the status quo. So to try and shift that is a journey. It's not an action or an event. And so there is something about the shedding of that entitlement and the understanding that what has allowed me to be in this position may be part of the injustice that this money is trying to undo. But equally, there's a world of people out there who do not have this kind of history of entitlement or holding money, who themselves have to have a mindset shift of maybe I'm somebody who can have a different relationship with money, a different relationship with decision making. Maybe I can be part of something that can move money in different kinds of ways. I don't have to wait for permission from somebody else to do this work. But to allow that to exist also requires capacity and infrastructure to be built, because all of the institutions that we've inherited from the 19th and 20th century that We all understand the pyramid institutions that can hold money in apparently sensible and objective kind of ways have a long, long legacy. And to dismantle that kind of thinking and move to something else requires the resourcing of alternative infrastructures based on different kinds of principles. And so, yeah, this isn't how you disperse requires multiple shifts across multiple parts of the system and requires a lot of ground to be laid elsewhere so that this can happen at the pace of the work, at the pace of trust, at the pace of the relationships being built, at the pace of people's growing belief in their own agency and right to hold decision-making and money.
1: I think for me, it's also about kind of what are we trying to achieve by doing that? Kind of what's the outcomes of that? Because effectively you want that to lead to long-lasting systematic change. So I think being clear about the why as well as also the who and how is also important and I totally build on Julian's point about ensuring that you ensure that once doing that, whoever you've given that power to, that they're not set up to fail. They're given a the chance to not just only take the power but to kind of maintain it, take it forward build on it as well and kind of craft it and kind of make it Relevant and useful for their own communities or their own situations, because when it comes to those who have power, let's say in this context funders, who then disperse it out, you know, how many funders really truly know the realities of the communities that they're looking to work with and serve, as well as also where the power gaps are, how power dynamics work at the micro level, at the local level. I think that the reality is not many do, just primarily because of the way the system works and how it's been set up. So. I think it comes with this responsibility for funders to really think carefully about how they do that and how they build that kind of long term strategy around making sure that what they're doing is kind of relevant for the community in perpetuity as well.
2: Ooh, good segue, Amir, to talk about what was happening locally in Barking and Dagenham. So Julian, what did you see when Lang Kelly Chase first started paying attention to Barking and Dagenham? What was going on there?
3: We came to Barking and Dagenham not with the usual place-based thing of let's find the most deprived neighbourhoods that we can get money into. It was very much based on a set of conversations that we were having all over the place about where does change come from, how do you really shift some of this stuff, who is up for a deeper inquiry into how you resource social change and Barking in Dagenham was one of those places where we could just sense a greater openness to inquiry and change. Like people were up for different kinds of conversations. And I think that was off the back of a strong sense that this was a borough that is really trying to shift, put people at the center and get a new sense of identity and ambition. But has a strong and present history and legacy of paternalism, both from the Ford factory and from the unions and but then through to you know very dominant single party administrations, a really strong mindset of doing to and taking care of rather than genuinely enabling local people. And so there was a sense of if we don't address this cultural systemic legacy. No matter what we do in terms of projects and initiatives, we will be reproducing that dynamic if we don't tackle it. So that was a, for us a sense of, oh, our presence here, our resourcing could really enable something at the root causes of something. So it felt like a, an exciting opportunity to engage with some people who were really inquiring deeply into change.
2: But there have to be certain specific conditions in place. And Lang Kelly Chase works across a lot of different places. So you've been examining what's going on in lots of different places. So can you be more specific about what you are seeing in comparison to other places?
3: I would say that the principal condition is that there is a set of relationships that are in place between people who are able to hold uncertainty and complexity and yet stay focused on building those very conditions for change. So in each of the places that we started, there was a small network of people who are holding an alternative vision of what might be possible. And so system-wide, I wouldn't say that there are common attributes to the places that we've been working in. What was key was a vision of alternative possibilities held by a, yeah, by a small number of people who had those relationships and trust, but were able to hold those with remarkably little ego. Like they were trying to work out what was in the interests of the place and of the system, not in the interests of a single organization, a single kind of hobby horse idea, that they were holding the uncertainty in a way that is genuinely open and were continually looking to see how they could Do themselves out of a role, out of a job, how they could themselves disperse power. Because one of the traps of place based working for a national funder is that you move from top down to middle down and that you simply shift the gatekeeping role to another set of people who hold that power instead. And what was remarkable in each of the places that we found was a group of people who didn't want to hold that power themselves were interested in radical dispersal but could see that they were holding a position that could be a path through to power dispersing rather than them becoming the new gatekeepers
2: and amir what were you seeing in terms of the characteristics around the work that was really allowing something exploratory to take place
1: so i spent Coming up to nearly nine, ten years in the social investment space, I've worked in banking and finance. And it's always been a dynamic of the wealth holders, investors holding power, deciding and calling the shots, really. And then I see BD Giving trying to really turn that narrative and dynamic on its head and saying, actually, what if we took a group of local people with a range of different backgrounds... And took them on a journey, so to speak, to help actually shape and build some of the narrative around what I would say the dull but important bits like investment policy, like the way investments are made and what is risk? How do you calculate risk? How do you make an investment decision? All these things which, you know, we're still basing this on very kind of like finance speak that goes back to kind of capitalist neoliberal economic structures of risk reward return which you know is that the right model to use to bring about social change so i saw really giving is like this kind of little petri dish which is trying to kind of really assess that to really kind of tackle that head on but also do it in a humble way of saying actually we don't quite know so we're also going on the journey to find out about this because this is completely unexplored territory and we'd love to share the learnings with others to bring others into this space. So for me, that was a great pull into this work, in one essence. The place-based side of things was for me a really interesting area because, you know, the more I look at this, the more I see place-based funding propositions, ideas, or developments as being the route that we should be taking to kind of really bring long-lasting change at the local level bring communities into decision making to really kind of address some of these old kind of what I would saying knee jerk assumptions or oh, you can't base communities to come in and decide on things because it's too risky well risky for who and in what way so I think that there's all these like this of a whole host of other ones but it's these kind of I think ways in which you block progress by bringing up some of these assumptions and these old arguments so I saw kind of BD Giving as being a great way of trying to kind of like not only kind of talk the talk, but also walk the walk as well in terms of what it's doing. The honesty that they have as well saying, look, we're not sure if we have the right model yet, but we need to work towards getting towards there. Because I think that's often the issue is, you know, people want to go from zero to 100 straight away. But it's not like that. It's messy. It takes time. It's a bumpy road. It's, there's ups and downs. But for BD Giving to be very honest and open about that, I thought it was really refreshing as well.
0: The Land Candy Chase Foundation recently announced that they will redistribute their £130 million endowment over the next five years. This shocking news has sparked conversations about how other funders make decisions about their funds. As for the people who rely on this kind of funding, some fear the loss of an empathetic funder. Julian shared some of the considerations behind the decision and what it could mean for future funding.
3: The place-based work and the work in Barking and Dagenham was a source of inspiration because it demonstrated that it is entirely possible for groups of people to come together and create alternative infrastructure that the capital and the money and the decision-making can be held in. We don't need to rely on outdated notions of expert national bodies making decisions. And there are much healthier resourcing systems that are available that can move money in the interests of justice and equity in a much more effective and healthy way than if it's done remotely. And so, although Lang Kelly is kind of often pointed to as a progressive funder and a funder that has enabled change to happen, at the end of the day, we are still part of the same way of thinking and acting no matter how much we've tried to change ourselves ultimately the learning from the work has allowed us to see that the challenges of the 21st century are going to require radically different models different governance different modes of stewardship if we are going to genuinely face up to the kind of crises that we're moving through and it doesn't make sense that 19th, 20th century institutions are still being relied on to support that kind of change. And so walking alongside people embarking in Dagenham and demonstrating that different kinds of ways of coming together and holding change processes possible was a significant inspiration to the decision that we took.
2: Opening yourself up to alternatives puts you in a really vulnerable position. So what scares you about all of this?
3: I think what scares me most is that sense that we've had from a lot of people who we fund that, you know, we're ditching one model without having created the new one, you know, and I'll stand by that decision because we didn't want to try and create an alternative model in theory. We wanted to have committed to it in a full-blooded way. But nonetheless, I'm very conscious of the level of responsibility that we have for calling a day on an institution that many people have relied on and have looked to and will miss. Whoever is running it or, you know, they'll miss the team, but they'll also miss that sense of solidarity and allyship and a powerful institution having its back.
0: BD Given sees the Grow Fund as the start of a reimagined ecosystem. Local people were given the space and time to consider what their community needed and will give him money to place towards those needs. They are invested in Barking and Dagenham businesses who are already making a local impact. And they want to see their investments go as far as possible. Amir and Kate discuss how businesses in Barking and Dagenham can access the kind of funding which Lankelly Chase provided to BD
2: Given. So, for all our entrepreneurs listening... I'm sure their burning question is, how do I get a hold of this type of funding?
1: I, mean, I think as part of that question, the first I think thing they need to be clear about is what type of funding and from whom and in what form, because funding doesn't exist in a silo, it's a spectrum. And at the end of the day, it comes in a variety of tools, whether it's grants, whether it's repayable, whether it's a combination of both. So really understanding which tools work best for them Given the state that they're in, and really help them grow their impact, make their organizations or businesses more resilient, or in some cases, grow their trading income. So, I think there's a bit of a journey they need to go on to kind of really understand that. I think as part of that is to how you can find the right partner or funder. So, you're really looking at funders that aren't just there to provide you with. A funding package but it's the relationship around that it's the support it's the conversations how hands-on are they in terms of providing that what level of buying do they have to your mission and goals so i think there's it's it's almost like dare i say like it's a bit of a matchmaking thing that you have to kind of really really find that right partner that exists and there are lots of resources out there as well that can help with some of this stuff so what i will plug one that in good finance and the work that they have done to really explain in a jargon free way all the different funding products and tools that exist out there have some really great case studies of entrepreneurs and organizations that have gone on to kind of raise funding and kind of the the journey they've been on and they have a great directory of all the funders that currently exist out there that provide that because the first step in any of this is go and talk to them pick up the phone or drop an email have a conversation or visit them at an event and say actually tell me more about what you do get them to pitch to you in that sense so I think you use those tools that you had. And I think the work that Biking Dagnum Giving is doing to kind of help provide a signpost to some of those opportunities and resources out there is a great resource and kind of tool as well, I think, for the local area.
0: Julian, Amir and Kate covered a lot of ground in this conversation and explored ideas behind a whole new funding ecosystem. One where people can support themselves and each other on a local scale.
2: As the conversation closed, Julian wanted to add one last thing. There are certainly folks embarking in Barking and who feel like Lane Kelly Chase has had our back. Now what what would you directly say to them?
3: I would say that we're not going anywhere immediately. <laughs> We've got at least another four years of this journey. And this is a space for we hope, for reimagination. And so the very dynamics of what create a powerful institution having the backs of other people is part of the problem that we're trying to work through here. You know, that what gives Lankedy Chase that positional authority, it isn't earned and it isn't ultimately healthy. But nonetheless, you know, there are people in communities, in real life situations who do need the support of people who currently have more positional power than us. It just shouldn't come from some distant institution that, has happened upon Barking and Dagenham rather than newer, more hackney. This is too random. This isn't a coherent enough, powerful enough response to our societal challenges that this institution found itself at the door of Barking and Dagenham rather than any other borough. And so we need to reimagine what it means to have each other's backs.
0: And for a me- Amir, he hopes other funders will
2: become more reflective about their own practices. To wrap up this conversation, Amir, what do you think we can learn from Lane Kelly Chase Foundation's commitment to exploring alternatives and their commitment to reimagining things?
1: I think the challenge is that this isn't a binary choice between should you exist Or should you spend down completely? There are a million and one options in between. And that's the journey that funders need to go on themselves. And that starts with the introspection, I think, as Julian has mentioned around bringing that conversation up at the exec level, at the board level. Why do we exist? Who are we looking to serve? Where is our wealth sitting? Is it actually perpetuating the systematic issues that our grant making is sorting out? All those things, and different organisations will respond differently depending on their own circumstances. For some organisations, it might be valuable to go down this dispersion route that like Kelly going. For some, that they may want to give up their wealth, but actually, for some, they actually should exist. So, I think what excites me, get to your question, Kate, is like Kelly showing that you know there should be this discussion happening within organisations that. It isn't a doomsday scenario of, you know, it's going to all turn everything on its head, but it's actually just being honest, open and reflective. And I think you mentioned the word vulnerable, being open to vulnerability as well and knowing how to listen to kind of the people that you're looking to serve. So I'd like to think that the Lankelli decision will spur discussions and debates and conversations. I don't necessarily think we're going to see hundreds and hundreds of organizations go down the Kelly route, but nor should we. That shouldn't be the outcome here because I don't think we should paint that as the kind of moment of success because otherwise we are kind of like not looking at the real value of the journey that Kelly are about to start and go on. And what I hope is also they share and reflect those learnings with the wider sector because I think it'll be interesting for everyone to see how how that goes.
0: Whether you are a heavily endowed funder in the UK or your business started up in Barkin and Dagenham, considering and reimagining who holds decision making power can lead to very different outcomes, whatever you're working towards. Thanks for listening to Nine Miles East with me, Elvi Matu. In this episode, you heard from Kate Harmatz, Head of Partnerships and Fundraising at Barkin and Dagenham Giving. Julian Corner, the CEO of the Lan Kelly Chase Foundation, and Amir Rizwan, an expert from the social investment community. This episode of Nine Miles East was produced by Chris Mitchell, Cass Denton, and also Lucy Ditchmont, courtesy of the Feast Collective. Additional editing was by Engin Hassan, and sound design was by Chris Mitchell. The podcast concept came from Louise Kavanagh at Purposeful Marketing. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a rating or a comment and tell all your friends about us. This podcast is brought to you by Bargain and Dagnam Giving. To learn more about the Grow Fund and other things happening with BD Giving, please visit bdgiving.org.uk. Bargain & Dagenham is a place full of investable opportunities and learning to share. Visit bggiving.org.uk to find out more and get in touch.